find the words to share with us today that are going to build us up and strengthen us and encourage us and hear fresh, fresh manner from heaven, fresh words from you, Holy Spirit. Be on him and with him now as he speaks to us. In Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Claire. Uh, Kev, Mike on the PA desk. Could I just ask you to put up the monthly declaration? Loving God, please. Thank you. I won't trouble you then until Claire comes back, takes over. It's not surprising that many of the worship songs tonight have talked about us loving God because that's our theme throughout the month of March. And it's fitting that we should be looking at this because before the end of the week, it's Easter when we remember what Jesus did for us. And we love God because he first loved us, as the Apostle John wrote. And as our declaration says, worship is our reasonable response to his outrageous goodness and love. But it wasn't always like this. When the Israelites left Egypt and went into the wilderness, you will remember that God met with Moses up on the mountain and he gave him the law, the law of the covenant. And in Deuteronomy, where we get the second version of the law, as it were, although it's the same as the first one, Moses says to the people, this is what God says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your soul. Now, there are some variations on that. Some have three words in, some have four words in. And the best authority we have is that Jesus quoted it three times in a couple of different ways as recorded in the Gospels. So, God said to the people, this is what I require of you. That you love me, first and foremost, and that you love me with everything you are and everything you have. And sadly, they failed miserably. They even ended up being kicked out of their country that God had given to them and going off into exile. So, how can a man love God? Get the system working. While they were in exile, God was very good to them and very gracious. And he kept on reminding them that he had chosen them and that he had something very special for them. But this time, it was going to be even better. And through the prophet Ezekiel, he said to them, I will give you a new heart, and I will put my spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. 
So God was already preparing to do something special that would enable his people, whom he had chosen, whom he had called, whom he had separated for himself, to fulfill the command that he had for them to love him with all their heart, mind, strength, and soul by changing their hearts and by putting his spirit within them. We know from Paul's writing to the Corinthians that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone. Praise God. The new has come. And in that, we begin to get the capacity to do what God requires of us. You see, God, at heart, is a lover. The Apostle John tells us, God is love. Sum up God in one word, love. Avril shared a little bit today about Claire and this homeless lady, and she said, no one has ever done this for me before. What did they do? They loved her. The grace of God and the love of God within them spilled out to her, and she's gone to a bread and breakfast tonight, warm, cozy, comfy, able to rest properly, feeling loved. And God is a lover. And he looks for his love to be reciprocated. Isn't it great when you love somebody and you know that they love you back? That's one of the best feelings. I am loved and I love in return. And that's God's heart. He's a lover. He loves us, all of us. No matter where we've come from, what we've done, where we've been, he loves us. And the desire of his heart is that we love him back. And he has done all that is necessary for us to exercise our wills and say, we'll love you, Father. We'll love you, Jesus. We'll love you, Holy Spirit. He has poured his love into our hearts. He's given us the very thing that he wants us to return to him. He's poured that love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Go and read Romans 5 when you get home. The love of God is poured into our heart, poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And if you go to the first epistle of John again and read about God being love, he talks about the love of God being lavished upon us. Not a, yeah, Malcolm, have a little bit. Adrian, a little bit for you. No, he's lavished it upon us. There's always more than enough love from God to go around to all of us, everywhere, whatever our circumstances and situation. And do you know one of the good things? He's given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works away within us, doesn't he? And he chips a bit off here and he does something else there and he takes us down this line to teach us some other lessons. And one of the fruits he produces in us is love. See, God's doing all this because he wants us to turn around and say, Father, you're wonderful. You've given me all this. I love you back in return. So as we think about Easter and we think about these songs we've sung tonight, how do we measure up? Where do we think we stand? 
What if Jesus was to come to you personally, stand in front of you like he did Simon Peter on the beach that morning when they had fished all night and caught nothing and Jesus told them where to catch the fish and they'd already got fish to cook for breakfast anyway. And he says to him, Peter, do you love me? Who? Who? Do you love me? So Peter mumbles some sort of response. And Jesus says to him a second time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter again responds. And to Peter's annoyance, perhaps, Jesus says a third time, Peter, do you really love me? And he commissions him to do something totally different with his life. There he was, a fisherman. Because of Jesus, sometimes having so many fish that the bottom fell out of the market on the beach that morning. And everybody had lots of fish to eat at an affordable price. But now Jesus says, you're going to do something different. Because he was looking for a response from Peter concerning Peter's love for him. Now, it sometimes seems that because God is all-knowing, it can be a little bit unfair. Because we think we know how we feel in terms of our relationship to God. But he already knows. Because as the prophet Eli was told when he went to anoint David as king, God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the heart. And in our understanding of things, we love from the heart. God sees the heart. God knows the heart. And he said of David, he's a man after my own heart. Why? How can he make such a statement? Because David will do whatever I ask him to do. A measure of David's love for his God the one whom he rejoiced in as the shepherd and as his provider, the one who, uh, the, the David who was elevated to the position of king. He will do whatever I tell him. So as we perhaps face that situation where we are struggling, how much do I love God? Do I love God? Remember, God sees the heart. But there are other things we can look at as well. The Old Testament uh, covenant was largely based on animal sacrifices. I happen to have been reading a bit in the Old Testament lately through the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible about all this. The absolutely enormous number of animals that had to get sacrificed. And there were hundreds of thousands of these people who all brought their sacrifices for themselves and their families. But Paul tells us in his letters to the Romans, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now it seems a bit of a contradiction, doesn't it? Because a sacrifice 
was dead. It was killed. It was offered. It was done, except in those cases where they could eat the meat. But Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable worship. So as we respond to the love of God in worship, this is one of the things he asks of us. Present your bodies. In writing to the church at Colossae, Paul writes to them some words about how they should be living their lives and thus demonstrating something of the love of God. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Another mark, perhaps, of our love for God, for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit, is the conscious way we approach living. Are we literally doing everything in his name and for him, for his praise and for his glory? It's quite common at wedding services for that famous chapter in 1 Corinthians about love to be read out. Love suffers many things and so on. But because of the way the Bible is divided up into chapters and verses, we rarely read the verse immediately after chapter 13, which says, follow the way of love. Follow the way of love. So that suggests that we've got to make a conscious effort. We've got to do something. We've got to use that transformed mind that Paul wrote about in Romans 12 to ensure that we are loving God to the best of the ability which he's given us to do anyway. And I'm always a little bit surprised with this one. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So good, the Holy Spirit's working away in there churning up this love, generating it all within me. And then I get to 1 Peter, oh, sorry, 2 Peter, where he's writing to a whole bunch of church leaders, and he says to them, now there are some things you've got to add to your faith. And one of them on the list is love. So we've got to almost redouble our efforts, as it were, to consciously work out our faith in such a way that love for God is generated from within us. Make every effort. It's not a, well, think about it occasionally. It's not a, if you remember it. It's make every effort 
to add to your faith. There's a whole list of things. You can read them in 2 Peter chapter 1. And one of them is this, love. So if we're going to take that commandment, reinterpret it into the new covenant seriously, we've got work to do. And I think it's appropriate as we head toward Good Friday and then the joys of Easter Sunday that we ask ourselves about the extent to which we believe we love God. We're meant to be loving him. We're meant to be living a life that demonstrates not just his love for us, as manifestly many people are able to do, but how much we love him. So I'd like to ask you to follow me in a little exercise, please. No, it's all right. Sit down. You're not standing up and doing your leaps and bounds and whatnot. I want to imagine that you're on that beach, that post-resurrection morning with Peter and the disciples. And instead of picking on Peter or selecting Peter, Jesus comes and stands in front of you. And he says... And he says, Phil Game, I won't personalize it more than that. You can do that. Phil Game, do you love me? Just visualize that for a moment. Jesus comes and stands in front of you. He knows you're with him. He knows you're committed to him, but he says, Phil Game, do you love me? How does your heart respond? What will you say? And what will you say if the question comes out a second time? And will you get a bit annoyed, a bit perplexed, a bit frustrated if he says to you a third time? Phil Game, do you love me? When it happened to Peter, the whole of his life was going to be changed because God had a new commission for him. And it's not surprising that when we are honest with God and we allow him to speak to us in that way and we respond as honestly as we know how, by the grace of God and through the power of the Spirit, that there may come about some changes. It may be changes in the way you do things, changes in the way you behave, changes in where you work, where you go, changes in habits. But if we are serious about loving God because he first loved us, And if we want to make worship our reasonable response to his outrageous goodness, we need to be honest before him. And we need to ask him to search our hearts so that we can know whether we can say with Peter, 
Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Claire's going to come and lead us in a time of uh, communion, which will be an opportunity for us to respond to the approach that Jesus brings as he asks us whether we love him. Let's, let's just continue to be quiet before him and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. And at the conclusion of communion, there will be an opportunity if you want prayer for anything, uh, our ministry team will be available to pray with you. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Phil. <coughs> so, um, we've got some wafer biscuits over there and um, some grape juice as our communion tonight, and it's all on one table, so... What I suggest is that this half of the room goes for the second half of the table and that this half of the room sort of comes up when you're ready and, and goes for this side. And um, that you um, find someone to join with you in taking communion. You can come in twos or threes or whatever, but find someone to take it with and and then quietly reflect on, on what... Um, what Phil's been saying as to how much we feel we can express our love to God. So um, the words I just want to read to you from <coughs> 1 Corinthians are that um, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. Whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And this is our way of remembering the love and the sacrifice that he gave for us and also you know, remembering just how much he's done for us. And um, <clears throat> I've just got some other verses to read out um, that so many of our songs tonight talked about that I thought, and I already, already thought of reading it. So I, I just want to read something from Hebrews, which, um, where it says, Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Okay, so um, Mike, if you could put on some nice music for us and we'll go up and take our time and uh, take communion. And um, yeah, then I'll close at the end. <coughs> 